everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest calls himself a modern elder whisperer. He was the dean of the School of Business at San Antonio and recently formed a nonprofit organization called Breaking Age, which is dedicated to help people flourish in the second half of their life. I'd like to welcome Pat Whitty to our show. Pat, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine, Ray. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a real honor to have anybody who wants to talk to me about my life. <laughs> Pat, you are an exciting guy, and I'd like to welcome you to the show because it is an honor to have you here. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throwing a fun fact that most people don't know about you? The most significant thing about me, in my opinion, is I'm 81 and a half years old. So, <laughs> And, you know, I, I, I put the half on there now because... Remember when we were kids and somebody would ask us how old we are and we'd say, well, I'm five and a half. We always put the half on because we desperately wanted to be older Mm. because when we were kids, we saw getting old as being a release from our prison of parental oppression and school and all those things that we were trying to escape. And then when we got older, we desperately wanted to be younger. And so I thought, oh, what the heck? I'm just going to start putting the half on there at 81. And I always get a chuckle when I do it. But uh, I've had quite a varied career. And uh, I think maybe one of the little known facts about me that I don't talk about a lot, that a lot of people don't know about is when I was in the Navy, I spent two tours of duty at Operation Deep Freeze. And I was in this at the South Pole, the geographic South Pole. And I was a Navy CB, and we built most of the structures in Antarctica during that time. And I worked outside every day in 40 degrees below zero weather. So today doesn't even feel cold to me. It's a perfect day, isn't it? Now, I've been watching a lot of shows lately. So are there really alien bases in Antarctica? I have to ask. I didn't see any. Well, I mean, we did go to the Russian base called Vostok because there was a joint agreement. So they flew us in there and we stayed there for about a month. So, I mean, you might call the Russians aliens. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I've been watching the weird UFO and scientific shows and they've been finding structures underneath the ice with thermal nuclear radar. And they're saying that there may have been civilizations that lived out there at one time which is quite possible. Well, it's quite possible, and we could probably use the rest of the show talking about that idea. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of uh, your shows on YouTube, and I'm I'm really digging them. There's one that I saw, Moto Meditations. Where did that come from? (laughs) It's really cool. I've been riding motorcycles my entire life. I still ride my motorcycle. That was a couple, three years ago. I got the idea to get a, a GoPro camera and attach it to my helmet and then get some wireless uh, audio equipment in and put the microphone inside the helmet so I could ride around on my motorcycle and video what I'm seeing, the landscape, because I was riding up through Colorado and we rode to Sturgis and the motorcycle rally and thousands of miles on the motorcycle. And I'd always be riding along and say, wow, this is really beautiful. I wish I could share this with somebody, but I can't because I'm all by myself. So I just started uh, videoing this, and as I'm riding around, I'm talking about stuff I think about. Mm. And basically, I'm riding my motorcycle talking to myself. And then when I got back, I took video off and I edited it. And I thought, well, why don't I start a YouTube channel? Because YouTube is available to everybody. So I created a YouTube channel, and I called it Moto Meditation, Stuff I Think About While I'm Riding. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, people watch me 
talking to myself while I'm riding my motorcycle. I can't believe it, but it's kind of fun. It was really cool. I took a ride through Terralingua with you yesterday, by the way. I remember that one, yeah. <laughs> and then I also, I love the Popper Show. That's a good one. Oh, you watched the Popper Show. Oh, of Terrific. Uh, yeah. Yeah, my granddaughter, Parker. I love that little girl. Yeah, that was really cool. It's, it started as the Pop Show, right? And then migrated into the popper show yeah her name is parker she calls me pop pop mm-hmm. so she said let's call it the popper show that's a cross between parker and pop pop that's amazing that's that's fun times and that's what i think life is all about you know sharing those moments and and creating them and turning them into something that she'll be able to see for the rest of her life she can pass it on to her kids and grandkids and that is really really cool so Everyone will always know who you are. Well, you know, that's, that's the, the beautiful thing about uh, technology. There's some downsides of it, but I don't have any videos of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I have very few photographs, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have these videos in the later part of our life? And I just think 100 years from now, people will be able to see videos of our presidents, mm-hmm. although some of them we wouldn't want to see. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to see them. It's kind of like if we could go back and see a video of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address today, wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be awesome. We'll be able to do that like 100, 200 years from now. And that's one of the reasons why I started the Balance Purpose podcast, because it's part of the legacy that I want to leave. I want my children and grandchildren to know exactly who I was and what my mission in life was, you know, and that's that service to all for a greater purpose. And just being able to spread love and kindness through the podcast and through the guests that we have is, is just an amazing thing. And I can't wait for them to show their kids. And you never know what happens, you know, life is short and, and I can be gone tomorrow, but through these 23 episodes that we have so far, they'll be able to say this was daddy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Well, now I want to ask, why do you call yourself the modern elder whisperer? Six years ago, I, I got involved with a place called the modern elder Academy. It's headquartered in Baja, Mexico was founded by Chip Conley, a hotel entrepreneur at one point in his life. Also the personal coach and mentor to Brian Chesky, the founder of Airbnb. Chip was responsible for helping Airbnb grow out of basically a technology company into a hospitality company. In his midlife, mid-50s, he realized there was no place for people to go when they're making this transition into what I call the second half of life. For a lot of people, it's a traumatic event. You pass 40 or 50, and so you get to this point where you say, well, what's next? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? Sometimes it's because people retire or retired through no choice of their own. People get divorced. All kind of life changes happen around midlife. And statistics show that the lowest point of happiness in our life is at the bottom of that U-curve. Around 47 years old, statistically, is when we're the unhappiest which makes a lot of sense because that's when life starts weighing really heavily on us. Uh, we have kids, we get married, we get divorced, we lose jobs. It's a, it's a really stressful time of life. So Chip formed this beautiful place on the beach in Baja uh, in almost a paradise where you could go for a week and, and be with world-class thinkers and authors and experts and through a, a really intense learning experience and figure out Basic existential questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is what are my values? What's really important to me? Not what my company told me was important to me, but what's really important to me? And what's non-negotiable in my life? You, you leave this experience really transformed. And so he coined the term modern elder because in his mid-50s at Airbnb, he was the old man on the campus because Airbnb is filled with young 20-somethings. It's like a college campus, these young California techies. And he went in there not knowing anything about technology, and he was the oldest guy in the company, but he was very wise. He learned how to form intergenerational partnerships And he was wise enough to know not to shake his finger at those young 20-somethings who were on their cell phones in the middle of a meeting. One of the stories he tells, he went up to one guy and he said, you know, you're really good at that cell phone. He said, tell you what, I'd be glad to give you some coaching on leadership and management if you'd show me how to use my cell phone. So he, he created the concept of intergenerational learning where 
the older person was willing to learn from the younger person. And so they called him the modern elder. Then we get to why I call myself a modern elder whisperer. That comes from the book and movie about the horse whisperer, a guy who observed horses in the wild and he saw, he watched their behavior and he, he gained a unique understanding of the psychological and emotional needs of horses. That's what a, a horse whisperer is. So I thought, well, you know, I'm at a stage of life and I've learned and I've, I've invested a whole lot in my development. I think I have a pretty good understanding of the psychological and emotional needs of older people. So why don't I become an, a modern elder whisperer and maybe I could use some of my gifts and talents to help other people learn how to what I call flourish in this really wonderful stage of life. And is that what led you into your nonprofit Breaking Age? Yeah, it all ties into me finding my purpose. Who am I? Why am I here? And what are the non-negotiables? That's the basic foundation of it. That's amazing. I guess I'm at the bottom of that U right now at 47 years old. So I'm not very, <laughs> I'm not very depressed. I feel pretty happy, but I can, I can see why that would, that would occur. And also, uh, I've never really thought about the generational gaps before, but now I think that's where the term grumpy old man came from, because I think we aren't willing to ask questions from the younger generation. And I love the way that's interconnected. Let me tell you about leadership and coaching. If you teach me about that cell phone right there in your hand, what a, what an awesome way to, to integrate that. That generation gap is, is real. There's seven generations still living in our world mm -hmm. today. Most of them are, are not talking to each other. They live in their independent silos. Now they're talking about each other and they're blaming the other generations for all the ills of the world and so forth. So one of the key projects I'm doing with my nonprofit is I'm conducting what we call Generations Over Dinner. And we're taking those around to all the senior centers right now in San Antonio. And what we do is we bring eight to 10 people from different generations around the table for a guided conversation where people can have an opportunity to be seen, to be heard, to be appreciated, and to learn about each other. And it's really a powerful experience. In an hour and a half, people walk away a bit mm -hmm. changed. We, we had one just uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we had a nine-year-old girl at the table and an 84-year-old woman and other generations in between. And the nine-year-old was just terrific. And she was learning, and we were learning from her, and she was engaged, and it was just a really uplifting experience. Well, I'd like to join you for dinner one day. I'll send you an invitation because I'm always looking for people <laughs> to, to invite. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I am there. You mentioned earlier about the leadership experience that you have. I mean, you've, you've accomplished quite a bit from owning the only, only Dale Carnegie training franchise in South Texas to, to you were with Chase Bank for over 10 years doing leadership and development That's there. That's right. And I, I didn't even know about your Navy experience. You have quite the diverse background, Pat, I'd like to hear a little more about it. How, how was your, your childhood? Did you grow up just ambitious as can be and wanting to do everything? Or is this something that life kind of unfolded for itself? I, I can't say that I had an unhappy childhood, but I'm not one of those guys who reminisces about my daddy used to take me fishing <laughs> and my daddy taught me this and my daddy taught me that. You know, I've always envied guys who who talked lovingly about their daddies, but I don't really remember that much about my daddy. He worked all the time, and my mom was a 50s housewife and just had a normal family. Uh, I quit school in the 11th grade. I was just bored with it, and, and I was kind of an adventurous kid. I had a motorcycle, and I'd take off on my motorcycle, and I was a pretty good talker, and I could talk my way out of why I missed school that day. But I remember in, in the 11th grade, I would always stop whatever I was doing, and I would go to, to fourth period. And I'd attend fourth period, then I'd leave. And it was harder to talk myself out of why I attended fourth period. The reason I came to fourth period was my metal shop class. He's the only teacher whose name I still remember after this would be like 65 years, I guess, 60, 65 years ago. His name was Herbie Lane. And one day, Mr. Lane pulled me aside, just the two of us. He said, Pat, you are the best welder that I've seen come through this class ever. He said, you've got a real talent for welding. He said, I'd like for you to help me teach the class. He said, you take a group of people, a group of kids, and I'll take a group of kids and, and work with them. And I'm telling you, I walked out of that class that day feeling like 
I was on top of the world because he was the first person in my life who helped me see myself as it could be. Everybody else in my life at that time, even though they loved me and they cared about me, pointed out my faults and everything I was doing wrong. And I was doing a lot of things wrong. I was, I was skirting on the edge of big trouble. But it was, it was a high that I still remember, a minute or two-minute conversation where somebody said, I see something in you that's really good. And I didn't even see it in myself. So it was interesting that, that I went on to join the Navy and became a steel worker <laughs> in the Navy, Seabees, and I was a welder. Awesome. <laughs> that's fascinating. And where'd your uh, journey take you after that, after the Navy? Well, I, uh, I was kind of drifting. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And my grandmother suggested that I take this course in drafting. I don't know why. But I, I went, I took this course in drafting, and I got a job at Schlumberger Well Services in Houston, where I was drawing electrical equipment for oil well logging. And so one day I was going to lunch, and this little kid in my work group, he said, I guess what I'm going to be doing for the next 14 weeks. I said, what? He said, I'm going to be making speeches at the Sheraton Lincoln Hotel downtown. I said, what? You're crazy. What's that all about? He said, well, I don't know. He said, my dad signed me up for this, told me I needed to take it. Something about you're supposed to help you develop self-confidence and they make you stand up in front of the group and, and, and talk and then they make fun of you and they shout names at you and stuff like that. And I said, that's crazy. Why are you going to do that? And, you know, it, it was interesting because he described it totally wrong. He knew nothing about it. But even with that description, for the rest of the day and for a couple of days afterwards, something inside me said, I need to do that. And I, I can't put my finger on why that came up, but it did. So I called him and I got the information and I signed up for the course. And I went down there and I took the whole course. And once again, it's interesting how people show up in your life. So I was sitting down at the coffee shop one evening before the class and the instructor of the class said, you'd probably be a pretty good salesperson. He said, you ought to go talk to Jim Trivet about, I think he might be looking for a salesperson. He was the franchisee owner at the time. I had never thought about selling. So I, again, I followed that advice. I went and talked to him. I took a job as a salesperson. I worked as a salesperson for Dale Carnegie, became successful at that. And then when the owner was ready to retire, I was in a position to take over the franchise, and then run it for 10 or 15 years after that, teaching other people how to build their self-confidence and speak in public and make presentations and communicate and get along with people, how to win friends and influence people. So I didn't know it at the time, but, but I was really living my purpose because I was getting a great deal of satisfaction out of that. Put in other ways, it destroyed my life. How so? You're talking about purpose. Uh, I never really thought about purpose. I had a purpose. It wasn't clearly articulated, but my purpose at that stage of my life was to make money. And that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I had this unconscious belief that my self-worth and my net worth were the same thing. That in order to be a good husband, to be a good father, I had to be a man of means. I had to have a good bank account. Didn't necessarily have to be wealthy but I had to be well-to-do, and I had to be, quote, successful. And at that stage of my life, success was being a business owner, which I was, but it was being a successful business owner, which at one point I was, was to be recognized by the community, to be able to go out and make presentations and speeches to service clubs and things like that, to be able to buy stuff for my kids. That's what I thought meant to be successful. And I worked myself to death to do that, to the point where I never really spent the time that I should have spent with my family, my kids. At one point, things fell apart. And since I had put everything in my life into becoming what I thought made me a good person, when things fell apart, I had nothing to fall back on. It put so much stress on the marriage the short story is within a six-month period, my business fell apart. I lost the business, lost all my money, and my wife divorced me. 
and my kids didn't want to talk to me that much. I had nothing. I'd literally lost everything. Now I can talk about it now because now in retrospect, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because in light of my spiritual development, not religious, but spiritual development, this stage of my life, I've realized that in order for us to grow whole, W-H-O-L-E, to grow whole instead of old, we have to have the fall. If we don't have the fall, we can never become a complete person. We have to suffer. Life is suffering. And believe me, I suffered because I didn't know why this had happened to me. I didn't feel that I deserved it. And so I just drifted for a long time. Just, well, I got to get a job now to make money to survive. And that's all I was doing is surviving in my life. Going from one job to the next, not really enjoying any of those jobs. So that's when... At around age 75, I was fortunate enough to get a job as the dean of the School of Business at a small university. I thought, well, well this, is, this is probably cool. Who wouldn't like to be the dean of the School of Business? And I hated it. Once again, because, see, I had not outgrown. I had not outgrown that egoistic need for a good salary and a nice title and a good position in the hierarchy, mm-hmm. you know. And again, at that low level of development, human beings were on a hierarchy for me. And and that hierarchy had a lot to do with what position you were in in the society and how much money you made. I'm ashamed to admit it now because that is a really stupid way to look at things. But that's where I was. I had my own private parking spot. That was, that was the clincher. My own private parking spot. That was so cool. But you know what I'd do is I'd sit in that private parking place every morning and think, I don't want to go up there today. I don't want to do this. Because all I did was sit in the cubicle and process emails. And a lot of those emails were to the person in the next cubicle. (laughs) (laughs) There was no communication in that culture. It was all through email, what I call cover your ass emails. Because, you know, I'll send you an email and when something goes wrong, I can say, well, I sent you an email on that. <laughs> you know, and, and the relationships weren't there. And so at that point in my life, I started thinking, is this going to be my legacy? Because this is going to be the last job I ever have. At 75, you don't go on the job market. Is this what they're going to say about me? He showed up for work every day and he answered those emails on time. I said, you know, I'm more than that. I can do more than that. But I was scared to leave that paycheck. So I spent a couple of months doing an inventory of my life. I said, what were the times in my life when I felt the most engaged, when I felt the most alive, when I really looked forward to getting out of bed in the morning, and I felt a sense of purpose? Because much of my work at the Modern Elder Academy had to do with finding a purpose. So that was in my consciousness. And so I started identifying these experiences, and I was really surprised to see that every one of them had a common thread that ran through them, that they all involved some kind of coaching or mentoring or teaching. And it occurred to me, I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing with the rest of my life. And so I summoned up the courage to quit the job. And even though I had no idea where money was going to come from, and I think I'm going to live to be 100, and I don't have enough money to last me that long. So I have to kind of go through every day at blind faith that I'm going to be able to figure out or the universe will provide for me what I need as long as I'm using my gifts in the service of other people. Mm. And I've outgrown that need to equate my bank account with my self-worth. Mm. That's a long answer to your question. I'm, oh, that's a beautiful answer. And and what a testimony and story behind it. You know, one one thing that I love about you, Pat, is that you don't question, you just go. So if you feel if you feel that you are prompted, you just do it and it's led to success. While not always the best decisions when it came to your family. But you've always been prompted and you've answered. And I think that's a sense of spirituality that you've always had. You've always felt the connection to the universe and you knew that things were happening for a reason. Well, yeah. And I would, I've just become certified as a mindfulness meditation teacher. I've completed a six-month teacher training program. 
Thursday, I'll complete my first mindfulness meditation class for an organization called Oasis. But meditation has been really an important part of my life because, you know, it helps you find that quiet place where you can hear what you need to hear. I think that when it comes to purpose, instead of trying to struggle and be stressed out about finding my purpose, we need to relax and let our purpose Mm -hmm. find us. Because if we discover what our gifts are, and we all have a gift, they're different. But once we discover what our gifts are, that naturally leads us to our purpose in life. Now, there are two dimensions to that. I think I do have a real gift for working on motorcycle engines. I I know how to rebuild a motorcycle engine. And I love to do it. It's my hobby. I can pursue that gift every day. That gift will get me out of bed in the morning. I'm going to get out of bed in the morning. I'm going to go out in the garage. I'm going to work on that motorcycle again. This is going to be so much fun. Well, maybe that's not all bad, but it's all about me. It's all about me. If we find our gift and then find out how to give it away, That's a whole different story. How can I use my gift in the service of other people? That's a higher level of purpose. It's a much higher level of purpose. For example, I I was pursuing my purpose at my early stage of my life, primarily for myself. Although the work I was doing helped other people, that wasn't my focus. My focus was not, what can I do today to help enough people build their self-confidence and learn how to speak in public and, and get along better with people. That wasn't my primary focus. My primary focus is what can I do today to make some money? And in order to make money, I've got to sell these people on building their self-confidence and speaking in public and getting along better with people. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful at this point in my life that I've pretty much broken free of that prison of my bank account and money. Money is not... The source of happiness. It isn't. And and I, I love that you are in the service of others because when you think about joy, joy is something that comes from, it's an internal feeling and an internal expression that radiates outward, right? And so in order to feel joy, joy has to come from the inside and radiate out. And when you're selfish, just thinking about money, you're thinking about external things and bringing it in which is the the complete opposite of it. Money does serve its purpose because there has to be a margin in order to fulfill your mission of helping others, but it's understanding where it comes from and how to use it. I do have a question. How's your relationship with your kids now? It's good now because I did the really hard work I needed to do to repair it, and it wasn't easy. My oldest son is living in Silver City, New Mexico, and I made several trips there a few years back And we had some really difficult conversations, and I had to listen to him tell me some things that were very painful to hear. And one of the things I learned from that was it doesn't do any good to justify or argue or push back or explain. Although inside of me, I wanted to say, yeah, but you don't understand why I did that. Thankfully, I didn't do that. And I just listened to him, and I remember one one visit. When I left and I was on the road back from Silver City, New Mexico, to, through to El Paso, remember, I cried all the way back to El Paso. Literally cried at them. I'm surprised I didn't wreck the car because it was so painful. But now, yeah, now we have a very good relationship, and I think they've both forgiven me. I love that. I love that. Forgiveness is huge. I still I look at so many people that are holding grudges in families for years, kids holding grudges against their parents, Parents holding grudges against their kids. Mm -hmm. I was able to spend some time at the Modern Elder Academy with Father Richard Rohr, who was one of the great spiritual leaders of our time. He's written 52 books, and he was an amazing man. And he, he told us about working 14 years in hospice. And he said, you learn a lot about people when you're with them on their deathbed. He said, people almost always get it. What he meant was they get what life is really all about. Now, sometimes they get it in the last year. Sometimes they get it in the last month. Sometimes they get it in the last week. And sometimes they get it in the last five minutes. He said, but they always get it. And he said, that's what he called enlightenment at gunpoint. Mm. And, you know, unfortunately, that's when we're at that point. It's a shame that we have to get at that point when it's too late to say, I should have been nicer to my kids. Mm -hmm. I should have spent more time with my kids. What I pursued all my life 
was an illusion. It wasn't worth it. Now it's too late to do anything about it. That's true. And along those lines, I would actually recommend this book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. It speaks just about that. It's fascinating when you hear the words coming from someone who has lived their life and lived for things that they thought were the right things, right, that were supposed to bring fulfillment, but but weren't. And it's crazy how simple joy and fulfillment are. is isn't money. It's love. It's kindness. It's It's being with those you care about. And we take that for granted. Um, and just like you, I, I was the same way. I tried to work as much as I could, make as much money as possible to buy my kids what they wanted, but I was never home. And all they really want is a hug and a kiss because they're not going to play with the toys anyway, you know? <laughs> That's right. So it's, yeah. it's one of those things. Well, I mean, it comes from, I think, uh, a lack of a feeling of self-worth. You know, in my case, if I had to get my self-worth from my bank account, that meant to me that inside me, I had no sense of Mm self-worth. You know, I didn't know who I was, and I I didn't consider myself to be worthy. How could anyone love me if I couldn't buy them stuff? (laughs) Where do you think that thought came from? I don't know. You know, I really don't know. Maybe it came from from society, from our culture, mm-hmm. because a lot of what we are is conditioned by our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, 75% of the population of the U.S. is either obese or overweight. It's because of our culture. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily because of a lack of personal discipline. It's because of our culture. If we lived in a culture where that valued fitness and exercise, we would all be that way because we adapt to the people around us. What was it who said that we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with? Jim Rohn. And it's it's getting even worse for society today, you know, and I feel, I don't want to say I feel sorry, but I feel bad for generations coming up now because of all, all they see on social media, just all the money, all the hype, and everybody's trying to be somebody. But we're losing human connection during this time because everybody's so yeah. focused on likes and what they can put on the internet that's going to get the attention that they want and what's going to drive them to get the likes that they need to make $1,000 or whatever it may be. I don't know the intricate pieces of how that works uh, because I am one who likes to get outdoors and talk to people and meet people and communicate with them. But it is it is getting bad out there. And, and so we need to bring awareness and let people know that the true life is simple and it's it's about being with each other and speaking with each other and and just being a community that's connected. Now, all of this stuff you have going on, how do you maintain balance in your life? What's Pat Witte do to keep everything centered? I'm not so sure I do a perfect job of that, but uh, you know, I know what it is to have an unbalanced life and sometimes to understand what something is, it's better to figure out, well, what is it not? And being a car guy and a mechanic and I know that when your tires are out of balance on your car, the car still does what it's supposed to do. It'll still get you from here to there, but it's not quite as pleasant. It's not as much fun. It shakes and it vibrates and it's really annoying. And our life can be like that. You know, we still get up in the morning. We do what we need to do, but we realize, you know, I'm not having as much fun anymore. Uh, Okay. So I'm pursuing my purpose, but you know, my purpose can kill me if that's all I'm doing. So for me, I I like to ride my motorcycle. And a lot of people say, what? You're 81 and a half years old. You're still riding your motorcycle. Let me know where you're going to be riding because I want to stay away from you. (laughs) (laughs) But, But I know how to ride my motorcycle and I do it responsibly. And for me, it's a form of meditation. Not that I get into a Zen state while I'm riding the motorcycle, but riding a motorcycle, you can't be too relaxed or you can't be too tense. You have to be very relaxed and you have to be in the present moment. So I can be daydreaming while I'm driving my car. I shouldn't, but I can. I can do my cell phone while I'm driving the car. I know I shouldn't, but we all do it from time to time. I can't do that on a motorcycle. I got to be right here, right now. And that helps me. And then, you know, I haven't quite perfected myself yet. I'm working on it, but I still enjoy sitting down with a cigar and a glass of Irish whiskey. 
Sounds like my good buddy, John Knotts. Well, John, John and I have done that together many times. But, you know, it's, it's, it is a way to, to relax and then spend time with the grandchildren. That's a great way to have fun. And just this week, we, we got a puppy. Oh. Yeah, we got a, a brand new puppy. It's an Aussie doodle, a cross between an Australian shepherd and a poodle. It's totally transformed our life this week. Uh, it's so much fun. And one of the reasons I wanted to get it was because I wanted to get a dog I could walk with. And this dog will will grow to be fairly large, maybe about 40 pounds. And so we can go on long walks together and uh, I can have a little buddy. So we're having a good time with him. So I need all those things because I can get really focused on one thing and burn myself out real fast by trying too hard. So one of the things I've learned through meditation is the fine art of letting go. We're trying to hang on to things so tightly. And then learning, lifelong learning is, well, you know, you see advertisements for anti-aging products, and that's a misnomer, anti-aging. It's impossible. We can't stop aging. We might be able to stop looking like we're getting old, but they ought to have some pro-aging products instead of anti-aging products. And the best pro-aging product is learning, Mm. reading books, taking courses. You know, you see that bumper sticker on RVs, I'm spending my kids' inheritance. (laughs) I feel like I'm I'm spending my kids' inheritance on learning because it costs me a lot of money to go to Baja once or twice a year to go to these week-long retreats. It costs me a lot of money to become certified as a mindfulness meditation instructor. I spend a lot of money on books. But that's keeping me alive, I believe, because I see these folks at the senior centers who have allowed their lives to contract Mm. so small to where they're around the same people every single day, talking about the same things over and over and over again. It makes me sad to see it. And so I try to do whatever I can to help them understand that, first of all, it's fun to learn. Your mind is like a muscle. Mm -hmm. You know, if you keep exercising, it stays sharp. But a lot of these folks, and they're not folks who are suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's. They haven't exercised their minds, and they're just not enough there right now. Well, there's also a proven fact that reading and meditation can slow down and reverse signs of dementia and Alzheimer's. So it's it's already a proven study. You know, I do like your collaboration in... uh, Lessons in Lifelong Learning. Oh, you read that, huh? I sure did. Okay. Now, uh, we know what led you to your purpose, but how do you define purpose in your life? That's not an easy answer, but uh, the best way to define it, you may have heard of Ikigai, Mm -hmm. I-K-I-G-A-I, Ikigai's, the Japanese concept of what I view as finding that sweet spot in your life. I used to play golf a lot, and the sweet spot was the term used a lot in golf because when you hit the sweet spot with that club, it was almost a spiritual experience as a golfer. <laughs> there was something about it. You could, you could literally almost feel the ball compress on the club head. You could feel the shaft flex a little bit, and you would watch that ball just fly off beautifully. You would spend another year trying to recapture that one moment. And so when you find your purpose, that's what's, I think, finding that sweet spot in your life where everything kind of feels right. And the Japanese concept says you find that by exploring, I think, three or four different questions. So the first question is, what is it that I really love to do? Really love to do. And, you know, there may be more than one thing. No, but you you kind of accumulate those. So in my case, I really love to ride motorcycles. I love that. I also love to teach and mentor and coach. All right. Well, the second question is, what is it that you're really good at? So for me, I'm really good at riding motorcycles. I've done it all my life. And I think I'm really good at teaching. I've done that all my life. Okay. The third question is, does the world need it? Does the world need it? Well, the world really doesn't need motorcycle riders that much. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I can put that off. But, yeah, the world does need more teachers. Yeah, it does. There's no question about that. The world needs more coaches, more people that are helping others to learn. And the fourth question is, could I get paid for it? 
And so, yeah, I can get paid for coaching and mentoring and learning, but pay does not have to be money. Pay could be psychological pay, satisfaction and enjoyment. So I think when, when you found your personal answer to those four questions, what do I really love to do? Am I really good at it? Does the world need it? And could I get paid for it in some way? Then you've probably started to zero in on finding that sweet spot in your life. That's correct. 100%. I really like that. Now, when it comes to coaching and mentoring, is there a subject or topic or lifestyle that you really enjoy that brings you fulfillment? Because there are a ton of coaches out there, whether it's business, fitness, lifestyle. What is it that, that really brings you joy? At one point, it used to be the business thing, but it, it, probably within the last year or so, I've realized that that's not of interest to me anymore. I, I spend very little time on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I used to find LinkedIn fascinating because it was stuff that I was interested in. Now, all of a sudden, I realized, you know, I find LinkedIn really boring, you know, because they're just talking about all this business stuff. And right now, what I really enjoy doing is reading about and learning about life transitions learning how to, what I call, flourish in the second half of life. The second half of life, I term as somewhere around 40 or 50 is when we enter the second half of life. There's no definite line there. But for a lot of people, the 40th birthday is traumatic. I've seen people freaking out about their 40th birthday. And the 40th birthday ought to be outlawed because insulting cards they give you, over-the-hill cards and pictures of old people on canes and wheelchairs, and they give you these black balloons. And the whole subliminal message here is now you've reached the pinnacle of your life. If you haven't done everything that you wanted to do, I'm sure sorry about that. But the rest of your life now is going to be downhill. (laughs) So just make the best of it. And we're going to make fun of you while you're doing it. And, you know, it's a shame. A lot of people buy into that. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people, it happens around 50. But for all of us, we enter this stage that I call the second half of life. And too many people are afraid of it, and they try too hard to resist it. And they don't realize that there's still a lot of things they can do in the second half of life. Because we do lose something as we get older. There's no question about that. Kind of embarrassing to see older people like Don Quixote tilting at windmills, just still protesting, I can still run a marathon, I can still do this. Well, you can't, okay? It's different. We lose things, but we also gain things, and that's what we don't talk about enough. Mm. And one of the things that we gain as we get older is the difference between what's called fluid intelligence that we have as younger people, the ability to think fast, to drill down into a problem, to cut to the chase, to get things done. But we lose that as we get older. That's why they think old people are slow. It's one of the reasons why they're making fun of Joe Biden. See, Joe Biden and I are the same age. Mm. Well, Joe's a little slow. They think it's because he's not competent. He's got more stuff stored up there. It's like a computer hard disk. It takes a few more milliseconds to process that information. And that's what we call crystallized intelligence. And at one point in our life, we have to jump off this fluid intelligence curve because we can't keep up with them anymore. I can't keep up with these 20-somethings. They talk too fast. <laughs> they just do it. they just going like that. And I'm sitting there trying to process what they're saying. Then, of course, then I fit into their stereotype of an older person. The crystallized intelligence is when we start to see patterns and when our wisdom takes effect. And that's why an older person can be a great coach or a mentor. Because first of all, we have the emotional intelligence to restrain ourselves, some of us, not all of us, from saying stuff that we'll regret. We can listen to some 20-something talk about their whiz-bang business idea, and we can start to connect the dots. And we can see a pattern that they may not see. It doesn't mean we're better than they are. We're just different. Mm-hmm. But yet, they don't value that. The younger generation doesn't value that in us. So we're, we're pushed off to the side. 
I asked my, my old friend who's passed away now, we rode motorcycles for years together, Bill Zayner. I said, Bill, why is it that so many old people are so grumpy? He said, because the world's having a party and they haven't been invited. Mm. And that's true. So I think it's a really important subject. And what I want to do is to see if I can write about, talk about, maybe even coach and counsel people on how to get past that critical stage of midlife when you have to let go of who you used to be and grab on to this new person that you're becoming that you don't even know who that is yet and move on with your life. You know, Pat, there's another need that's coming up with what you're doing with the introduction of AI taking over different industries and people being let go. A lot of these professionals are in that age. I mean, in the mid forties, mid fifties who have done banking or law assistance or whatever it may be all their lives and may lose their job to a big layoff because AI is going to take over. It's going to save companies a lot of money. And then what do they do? You know, and that's where depression can set in and just, it could cause a problem, but that's something to think about and look out for. Now, through everything that you're doing behind your purpose, what legacy do you hope to leave for the world? There's a classic exercise that I think, uh, who wrote the seven habits of highly successful people. I can't think of his name, but anyway, it used to be write your own legacy. That, that's classic uh, workshop exercise, write your own legacy, your own eulogy, write your own eulogy. I guess I would hope that, that my sons would say, in spite of everything, he was, he was a good father. Mm. I would like for people to say that he made me like myself better. I liked myself better when I was with him and he helped me become the person that I could be. And I didn't even know I could be. I, 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 that's what gives me great satisfaction. And that's what gave me the greatest joy in, in teaching Dale Carnegie classes all those years, because I saw, I saw people literally transformed. And we've seen this in Toastmasters who came in the first week and they're just terrified to even say their name in front of a group. And then just watch them open up and blossom week after week. And that watch that confidence build and literally weeks later walk out a different person. That's a big thrill. I think that's the kind of legacy that I would like to leave. You're doing it. You're doing it. You know, what's funny about that is that you were in my first Toastmasters class where I fumbled on every word and didn't know what to say and just kind of froze. And now look, we're a world-class podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now I have one last question for you. So if Pat Whitty, if, as soon as we disconnect today and we end the podcast, if you're able to go back in time and go meet your 11th grade self with your crystallized thinking and everything that you've learned in life, what advice would you give to that guy in shop class today? Well, I would say find the right people to hang out with. Quit hanging out with those motorcycle buddies that you're hanging out with. They're not doing you any good. You're better than that, and you can find out who you are. Your shop teacher just saw something in you that was good, that you could put to use in your life. Spend more time trying to discover your other gifts, and that way you'll probably be a little bit happier as you grow up. I love that. Finding your gifts. You know you, you, know you best. You know you best, and you know exactly what you needed to hear then. So I love that. Well, Pat, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today and if somebody wants to get to know a little bit more about you and and breaking age is there a website that they can go to to get a little more information yeah there's a breakingage.org that comes from breaking bad by the way you remember you you watch breaking bad (laughs) that's a play on on the words and remember with that scene when walter white faced down the drug dealers he's got this little pork pie hat on he says say my name because he finally didn't surrender to the drug dealers. So my idea here is we can't surrender to age. We have to keep moving forward. So breakingage.org, O-R-G. And also there's a section in there. If you're interested in finding out more about Generations Over Dinner, you can register for one of those, and you'll be in a pool of people who I know are interested, and then I will invite them when we schedule the dinners. We only have eight people at a table, and I have to get the diversity around the table. But I I need to replenish that pool 
constantly. And uh, there's also, you can subscribe. I, I write a blog. I write two or three times a week. And uh, just stuff I think about. And I'd love to have new subscribers. It's all free. You can subscribe to that at Time and Culture, Time and Culture dot Substack dot com. Once again, I'm I'm surprised at that. I started that like I did my YouTube, and now I've got about 150 subscribers, and it never ceases to amaze me. Well, I'm I'm one of them, and your blog is fantastic. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoy it. You're a great writer. Yeah, and you also look like Heisenberg, by the way. Say my name. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate this conversation. And I want to let you know that I felt good being around you today. So oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, this was awesome. I like myself better. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Balance Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Goldney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.